The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Pop Insider. The Pop Insider has all the latest in news, merch reviews, and other geeky goodness. Whether you're a wizard, a Sith Lord, or a superhero, fuel your fandom at thepopinsider.com. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. You know how Finn never gets to tell Ray that one thing he wants to tell her? Or how Han Solo can give Leia a sarcastic quip but never really open up to her? Well, you don't have to be Rebel Scum or the captain of the Millennium Falcon to experience the kind of rich relationships and life that we all long for. I'm Mark Went, and I'm a men's wisdom coach. After people work with me, they have the confidence, emotional intelligence, and communication skills they need to be the heroes of their own story. To find out more, go to markwentcoaching.com, M-A-R-C-W-E-N-D-T, coaching.com. Crisis for the geek kind. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Join Weeby Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Want to know more? Do not attempt to adjust your device. This is a stream freedom audio bulletin. It cannot be traced. It cannot be stopped. And it is the only free voice left in the Geek Revolution. And welcome to another episode of Weeby Geeks. It is the Dashing Duo, Derek and myself, Mike. And we are being joined this week by the producer of a, an independent film called The Rise of Sir Longbottom. And I, I know I asked you before, show. I've, <laughs> I've had too much time to, to pause and, and not repeat it enough. We have Adam Berardi. Yes. <laughs> 20, 2021 is starting off great. Second show, and I haven't screwed up a guest last name yet. <laughs> well, it's not your fault. It's a hard one. I, I have a hard one on my own. If you think you can uh, pronounce it, I know, Derek, I know you can. MK? Ding, ding, ding. Hey. I would have hit my family feud, but it's my console's not. My control panel for my interface isn't popping up, which is okay. Um. <laughs> Before we get into why we have you on the show, check out um, the homepage, WeBeGeeks.net, our affiliates, right-hand side, um, Bitty Boomers, great little Bluetooth speakers if you haven't seen them, Adam. Uh, these things are awesome. Uh, this is one of the ones that I have. Look how tiny that thing is. This thing kicks butt with sound. Really? Yeah. Yeah it's, yeah, it's really good. I was looking for a new Bluetooth speaker. That's kind of funny. Bitty Boomer. Check it out. Use the code WeBeGeeks on oh, their they web. They have a bunch of different varieties. Use the code WeBeGeeks on their site and get 15% off your, your purchase. They have, they have Nitro, the UCF Night. Really? Yeah. 
I'm a Spider-Man guy myself. I saw you had Spider-Man there. There's Spider-Man. Ah, nice. There's Thor. Um, I, uh, there's Iron Man. I actually have, they got I a, have whole... a Chewbacca right here. <laughs> there's the child. And a Stormtrooper. Oh, that one's nice. I like the, the Stormtrooper a lot. Yeah, he's pretty cool. I have a Darth Vader around here somewhere, too. There's Cap. That's a nice one. Yeah. With shield on the back. Oh, boy. I'm a huge toy nerd. I've got uh, the old Castle Grayscale and all the He-Men. Oh, oh nice. That's what, that's what Casey needs to do. He needs to try and get the He-Man Masters of the Universe license. Mm, I'd buy all of those. Oh, yeah. That'd be cool. That, that would be cool, actually. I'd love to see a little Skeletor Bitty Boomer. I, I, would go, I would go for the Skeletor Bitty Boomer and Heartbeat. Heck, yeah. Me too. Uh, Thor? Thor is pretty awesome. That's that's okay. That that's the most awesome one you've shown me. I like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, also to check out our web store where you can get some great merch, and hopefully we'll be adding some Keepers of the Fringe merch to it as soon as Derek gets it to me. And our T Public store where you can get some great stuff, including masks with our show logos on it. And uh, also too, I got to I got to throw out there. Um, I'm assuming you you do some gaming, Adam. Yes, I'm a huge gamer. Ah. There's a company that uh, they sent me some sample stuff to check out. I also play hockey as well. And they, I, I found them because of work. We got some of their grip tape for one of our prop pieces. I'm like, ooh, and this is hockey tape. I'm like, I have to check it out. Not only did I get some hockey tape from them for my controller, which is an Xbox controller because I game on my PC, this is grip tape. I'll get out of town. Oh. And this stuff is. I love it. I I want to get another Xbox controller one so I can play with my daughter on the computer. So I can throw the other grip tape they sent me on it. Uh, I really like this tape. I highly recommend it to anyone. uh, That's awesome. Who games? Yeah, I was looking for something for mine. I just got the new... uh the new PS5, um, they, and uh, like some uh, I'm jealous. strips on the side of it. The the site is lizardskins s k i n s dot com. Lizard skins, and if and with the movie stuff, if you're looking for grip for cameras or mics, or say oh. you need some grip for props, cosplayers, you need grips for for your props there too. They've got the hockey tape, baseball tape, lacrosse tape, grip tapes, uh, different lengths, different colors. Uh, of course, they've got the the grips for uh, PlayStation and Xbox and the Switch. Nice. So uh, check these guys out. I awesome. I really like the product. Um, really like it a lot. Looks so, cool. Yeah, that's cool. Very easy to install. Check out on our YouTube page uh, at Weeby Geeks. Uh, search Weeby Geeks on YouTube. You'll you'll find our channel. Uh, I have a review, and you see me actually installing this grip on my controller. Nice. And it's just that easy. So, hmm. um, Very cool. we have Adam on though, because he, like I said, he's producer of this movie, Rise, The Rise of Sir Longbottom. Tell us a little bit about the movie. The Rise of Sir Longbottom is a sequel to a movie we did about two years ago called Pocket Man and Cargo Boy. I work for a company called Overnight Pictures. And my business partner, Clay Moffitt, uh, we usually do horror movies. Uh, so um, we, um, he, he brought me the script, and I said, well, you got to be kidding me. I'm not, you must be, this must be a joke. And he said, no, I wrote it in high school, and I never really showed anybody. You know, I kind of read I try to do it in high school a little bit. And so he showed me some of it, and I said, oh, this will never fly. I don't, I don't want to do this. And uh, I said, we're doing it. 
So we got the money together, got some investors, made Pocket Man and Cargo Boy one. Um, and at first, it got some really bad reviews. And then it was an, uh, another couple of guys that do this uh, uh, podcast called Good, Bad, Bad, Bad. And they reviewed it. And they thought it was hilarious so much they started buying the merchandise that we weren't selling. They were finding merchandise from the movie that we didn't sell to wear it on the show. And it really started to take off so much so that we decided to make number two, which is actually just called The Rise of Sir Longbottom. Um, and that's kind of where we, we, we're, we're set now. We, we, uh, it's on Amazon right now. It's, uh, we're working out some, um, some different deals with other streaming platforms that we can't talk about yet. But we wanted to get on Amazon as quickly as possible because it's been sitting in post for a little bit over a year now. So we wanted to finish it up and get it out. Okay. Now, uh, the previous film that you said, uh, Pocket Man oh, and Cardboard. Yeah. Is that also on Amazon? It is. It's on Amazon. It's on uh, Tubi TV, I believe. Don't, Tubi. I don't want to be misquoted, but I believe it's on Vudu. I think you can buy it at Walmart, Target, um, Barnes & Noble. Okay. Oh, wow. So, okay. uh and this one, we decided we were going to push it out on Amazon first. Uh, people have Amazon Prime, Prime can watch it for free. Uh, to rent, it's uh, maybe a buck ninety nine or five bucks to rent. Real, really inexpensive, real fun, and it's uh, it's a blast. Um, it's nothing from front to back, just straight action all the way through. Okay. It seems like um, it seems like we've we've interviewed some other independent filmmakers and. and They've also gone like the Amazon route and Tubi and stuff. It seems like that's a good place to uh, to get your your uh, independent stuff out. It is. Um, well, the streaming platforms is no secret, right? I mean, um, that's just the way things are going. Um, you still want to get things in a red box, right. but there there are fewer of those every day. So it looks like most people don't want a physical copy anymore. I actually don't own a DVD player any longer, which sounds horrible, but I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, I watch everything was converted that I had on DVD to ultraviolet that went to voodoo. Um, so anything I want to watch that's older, like if I wanted to watch the Cincinnati kid or an old Steve, any old Steve McQueen movie, I watch it on voodoo now. So um, it's kind of gone that way. And uh, the industry has been pushing that way. And then after COVID, um, now the windowing is out the window at movie theaters and it's all streaming. So, yeah. and again, Tubi is a, yeah. is a great place to get started. If you can get in, you need a distributor to, uh, to get there. So you can I, just submit it yourself. I love Tubi. Uh, I think when we talked this, talked about this a while ago, Derek, um, back when I think we really started streaming here with Netflix, uh, I came. I have a Sony Blu-ray player, and of course, it's got the different channels you can pop up. And I came across Crackle, and there was a show on Crackle called Parker Lewis oh, Can't Lose, yeah. which I yeah. loved it when it was aired originally. I'm like, ooh, it's on here. And I fell in love with Crackle, and I realized, wait, there's some other free ones out there. And then once we got the our Roku box uh, about a year or two ago. Like, okay, Tubi, um, there was, oh, Red Film was another one that I, I, I got NBC hooked on. owns one now, too. Peacock, yeah. 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 Oh, they have another one, too, that's free, like Tubi, that they're, par- they're partners with. I forget the name of it right now. But it's actually, actually, it's CBS, and it's Pluto TV. Thank you very much. I should have known oh, that. Right, one of my right. good friends is on CBS, and sorry, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. It's Pluto. It's Pluto TV. <laughs> and I I actually enjoy Pluto. I was I watched yesterday. I watched The Illusionist. And of course, they throw commercials in every so often. And then today, a movie I hadn't right, seen yeah. in, I hadn't seen forever, which seemed fitting because it's actually happening right now, or it was happening. I was watching Wind with Matthew Modine and Jennifer Grey. Oh yeah, talking about the America's Cup, and I I love. 
the America's I, I watched the America's Cup before back in when I was in high school. I was watching it before I caught wind of wind. No pun intended. Maybe there was. Um, and, and then I just fell in love with the with the movie. And it was great. And I'm like, wow, I haven't seen this in forever. I'll have to watch it. And it still holds up, even though the the boats used in the America's Cup have changed drastically from back in the day. Just the whole concept behind the racing and the whatnot was, was just, to me, it still holds up. And I'm like, okay, this is well, great. I haven't great seen flight, it forever. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm a big old movie guy, so Absolutely. Um, but they have different channels for movies. There's romance, featured, action, uh, 90s rewind, 80s rewind, 70s rewind, kung fu, all these different channels. Then, of course, different channels for everything else. Um, they had a Doctor Who channel for a while. Uh, there's an Adam's Family channel. Um, all all ty- It's a great little thing. It's free. You, you sign up. Um, there is no pay option to get rid of commercials because it just airs. Commer- you know, they just pop on every maybe 15, 20, maybe 30 minutes. just depends. Uh, so, and they also have on-demand, but in the on-demand, you still get some commercials there as well. So I have seen some very interesting on-demand movies that I had never seen elsewhere. <laughs> but. Nice. Yeah, they're, they're great platforms, man. I, I actually, I, again, I, I like Amazon because there's no commercials, but I don't mind going to Tubi. Tubi's fantastic, and yeah. the, the commercial placement yeah. feels pretty organic. It doesn't feel too bad. Well, and, um, yeah, that's Crackle's true. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I'll tell you, if another one that has just recently popped up, um, if you end up doing some sci-fi films, look at Dust. Dust. I've never heard of that one. Remember when we did the preview or got the the screeners for um, was that oh, was this the series it was almost like a web series about the the ship that went out and ended up like wormed hole out in the future. I can't remember the name. I want to say outer outer space. No, it's not it. It had the I the ca- it had that. the it had the cab driver from Deadpool as oh. the captain. Topender from Deadpool. Yeah. He's good. Yeah. Oh, good actor. And, um, I don't remember and what, what it was. And what's your name from the AT and T commercials? Oh, I'm bad with names tonight. I told you it's, it's been the, a the 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 girl who plays Lily on on the AT and T commercials. Yeah, is Melania. Uh, her her last name is a little difficult to yeah. say. It's like Van Vantrob or Vantrube or something like that. Yeah. Hmm. Um. I apologize for getting her name wrong. She could always come on the show and correct us. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. I, I'm going to, and this got me tweaked on what it was. But the platform is called Dust? <laughs> the platform's called Dust. Yeah. Dust. A lot of great sci fi stuff. They, once they, last time I was on there, there was um, Logan's Run was on there. Oh, wow. Mm. Uh, there you go. Uh, Classic. Other space is what it's called. Other space. Other, other space. space. Uh, I know. I knew I was close. And it had uh, other space had uh, Neil Casey, Eugene Cordero, Joel Hodson, um, Connor Leslie, uh, Melania Vintrub, um, Bess Roos. I mean, not a lot of big names, but I mean, very fun cast. Very fun show. Is that on Roku though? Is the, is Dust on Roku? Yes, it is on. Oh, Roku. I'll check it out then. 
Is it all sci-fi or is there other stuff on there? Uh, let me double check, see if it pops up. Uh, see if I could get an oh, actual. Check that out. If you go to the website, watchdust.com, I think this is, yes, this is it. Oh. Um, they talk about right there on the front, other space. But there's a lot of features, originals, uh, premieres. Um, well, this is essentially what we've done here with, with uh, Razor Longbottom is essentially a sci-fi flick. We just uh, had a lot of martial arts to it so maybe we'll uh, reach out to those folks and yeah. see if they want to pick it up who do i call about that uh, assistant. Uh, i'm just looking at my assistant like who do we call <laughs> yeah, no clue. yeah actually yeah it sounds like it sounds like yeah what mike's describing it sounds like the movie would be perfect on there Okay. Uh, People are responding well to it. I'm very happy they like it so much. So. If you go to their about section that says "Get in Touch," that offers filmmakers and inquiries. Ah, so there you go. Nice. Well, look at that. We ah, cool. Today. And there you go. So Dust is, yeah. Dust is a sci-fi brand that presents through uh, thought-provoking visions of the future, from feature films to short films, series, and podcasts. Dust works with established and emerging voices. Current content library consists of more than 400 cutting-edge stories. Oh, wow. There you go. So Yeah, it sounds like it would be a good fit for your movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, to check yeah. into that, we uh, yeah. actually had someone write it down for me because I don't have a pen and paper. So ah. <laughs> <laughs> had someone do that for me. The behind-the-scenes people. As we pull back that curtain, that fourth wall. I'm actually sitting in my home studio and I just have one of my, we don't have a lot of ability to interact with each other um, here in LA. So what we wind up having to do is we, uh, we have to do everything usually online. I'm stuck in the house a lot now, unless you have a reason to go out, but one of my assistants is here helping out. So that really does help. Well, hi assistant. Hello. It's Heidi. Hello, Heidi. Hello, Heidi. Um, I mean, lost without her. Heidi, <laughs> Heidi, I think he just said you got a pay raise. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I think I need an assistant. Intern. I, I'm, I'm working on it. Um, right. So how did you go about uh, your casting for The Rise of Sir Logbottom? It was difficult. Um, so Pogman and Cargo Boy, uh, the original, there's a lot of people from that uh, in this one, uh, ones who didn't die. Um, but when it came to casting, we had a bit of a hard time. There's 20 cast members total. Um, each of them had to learn a bit of martial arts. None of them knew any except oh. for um, the two people in the movie that actually uh, had some uh, fighting expertise was uh, was uh, Wayne Lundy. He was in the Air Force originally. And Ben Vasquez, he was in both of them. He plays Agent Jaden Hill, and he's actually an Army guy. He's in Georgia right now, uh, and I believe he's a re- don't, I might be misquoting you, Ben. He might be a reservist now. Um, most likely a reservist now. So, but, so he may be in D.C. right now. Uh, no, he's in. I saw his pictures. He's in Georgia right All now. Right. He's doing okay. Um, not in D.C. Good, good on you, Ben. Hang out in Georgia for a while. Try to get some work. Uh, he was fantastic. Um, but we had to get people that were willing to get here four months early and to start practicing every day. Um, we actually shot the entire thing in Arizona. So we went to uh, Mountain View Karate. Uh, in Scottsdale, and uh, Tristan Coclanis and Nick Coclanis are the owners of Mountain View Karate. They've owned it for about uh, 25 years. Tristan is a young man. He's 24. Uh, he's inheriting the uh, the mantle. 23, excuse me. Um, he's a 4'3 black belt, and all these guys had to go to the dojo um, three times a day, three times a week for four months and go wow. over everything 
that you could possibly imagine uh, from the from the ground up. Um, and he incorporated a lot of Wing Chun, um, uh, uh, Taekwondo, uh, a little bit of Krav Maga, you'll see in the movie, and also um, a little bit of uh, Tai Chi. So they, they mixed it all together to make this movie, to make it look a bit more realistic. Um, and it was really difficult. There were some scrapes and bruises. And, and I, so back to the original question for casting, it was just finding people that were willing to do this, willing to do their own stunts. We could get stunt people, but we these fight scenes, you can tell them there's a stunt person in a fight scene. We wanted it to be right. as true to a kung fu movie as possible from the 70s where you'd see people actually fighting. And when we got our cast, we got our cast. They were ready to go. They are ready to get some bruises. It was fantastic. But it was uh, probably a couple months process for us to find the right people. Okay. Well, the, the all the fighting was pretty good. I have to say, it was it was pretty uh, pretty well done. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, it was it was fun to fun to watch. It wasn't fun to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> um, there were yeah there were some there were some times uh, there was a uh, um, the the guy that played Mark Taylor Dahl. Um, as you can tell, he he's not a he's not a weightlifter. He's a great actor, not a weightlifter. Um, he's never had any fighting before. In the first movie, he had very little fighting. And this one, he had to fight Sir Longbottom. And um, the area that we had them practice in for three months was tremendously greater than the area we actually had shot in. So it was much smaller. We had to scale it down. And in the middle of yeah. the fight, he got punched directly in the eye. Oh. And uh, the nail of uh, Sir Longbottom, I believe, poked him in right in the eyeball. And oh. we had to stop the fight Ooh. for a minute. He had to go back, check everything out. He had a blood. His eye was red. I had been bludgeoned a little bit. Black eye. And he's like, no, I want to keep going. And, like, he got clocked pretty hard. And if you haven't noticed, uh, the guy that plays uh, Sir Longbottom himself is a gigantic human being. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not small. And his <laughs> no, fist is, like, the size of a bushel of bananas. So when you get hit by him, it's going to be uncomfortable. Uh, and that's exactly what happened. So, But Taylor's like, no, I want to I do this. It hurt. But let's finish this up. And everybody had that same kind of spirit. Well, it's nice. It, it's good. Yeah. If, if you want to hear a story that will make you feel a little more better about that, uh, we had um, Robert Molay used to be the wrestler uh, Kurgan. Oh, yeah. And he he okay. placed a big giant in Sherlock Holmes. Oh, yeah. Robert yeah. You remember that big old fight scene? Yes. He said he actually cold cocked. Um, Robert Downey Jr. And he goes, oh crap! I yeah. he thought he, he thought he he pretty much ruined the film. And he goes, oh wow, I just injured him, injured him bad, and he was going to get let go. And, and Robert goes, no, I walked into that one. That was all my fault. <laughs> so, um, it happens. I mean. Absolutely. And if you want to do your own stunts, I mean, we could have had a stunt person, but uh, if you want to do your own stunts and make it real, you're, I've been hit several times. It's just something that happens. It's part of the game. It looked sure. good, though. It looked good when you got hit. Tell you what. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Let's slow this down in slow-mo. Right about there. That looks like it hurt. I what wish we great uh, stage like fight. He frames a second, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what other favorite moments did you have on the set besides seeing Tyler get just Taylor, yeah, get, Taylor get whacked with a in the eye you know we started uh, our first movie you know was on a uh, obviously both are on a shoestring budget can't even lie about it you know uh, Hollywood movies now a shoestring budget is 250,000 
even for, I mean that's yeah. as low as you're ever going to get. Usually they're well over for a micro budget movie. They're still over a hundred thousand dollars usually. Um, so we were um, we were dealing with a shoestring budget and our first one, and uh, you know a lot of those people came back for this one. So we had this big happy fun family and the two mansions that are in the movie we actually had those two mansions for the entire time of shooting so we actually let the cast stay in various rooms that we weren't using um they were ginormous so they got to stay there and just party and have a great time um which is something you don't see on sets a lot and uh now in this time of covid everybody's in a bubble you can't leave your uh your you know your hotel room that you're in for like a week and then you have to go right from set and go right back um, so that was the last time that I've ever seen that many people have that much fun on a set where they weren't uh, socially distancing and they're having a great time. Um, they all ate breakfast, lunch and dinner together. And it was just a very close thing. So if it was one thing that I loved about being on set was just seeing the camaraderie. And it really came out in the movie and a lot of different little spots. Um, a lot of the stuff that um, was painfully improvised, uh, but we kept it anyway. Um <laughs> And, but a lot of it, you know, that we couldn't put, it was just hilarious stuff. Uh, William Kenny is a really funny guy, and he plays uh, Mr. Barve. And some of the things that we couldn't put in the movie were just hilarious. We would just be rolling over laughing, dying. Um, April Wal- uh, Watersheed, she's a uh, comedian here in L.A., and uh, we, can't, we couldn't use a quarter. We can only use about a quarter of the things she said on camera. They were just not for kids, but it was an amazing time. It really was. And to watch Jeremy Behe and Daniel Maine grow up from the first one, they were much smaller for the first Pocket Man and Cargo Boy. And then they got back. And, and by the way, uh, Jeremy Behe, uh, Cargo Boy, is 18 today. He just turned 18. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, see, he's a big boy now, big boy. So that's his excuse for not coming on the show is he's out celebrating his birthday. I would say that he's out no celebrating excuse. absolutely nothing. There's nothing no excuse. to do with anymore. No excuse. <laughs> they're busy kids. They're really busy. They're keeping, uh, they're keeping busy. Uh, Jeremy is constantly doing uh, bigger and bigger projects. Daniel, I think, is going more of a college route. He likes doing a, a theater. So they're just always doing their thing. So it's kind, of, it's kind of hard to nail them down. We had some interviews we wanted to do with them on video and just getting them to, to be on set to do those interviews was very difficult to do. Uh, we're going to be right back after this break, so stay tuned. Have you ever wanted to deeply connect with someone the way Vision does with Scarlet Witch? Or be the stand-up guy like Cyclops is for Jean Grey? Well, you don't have to be fused to an Infinity Stone or be the leader of a superhero team to have the kind of relationships in life we all long for. Mark Went is a men's wisdom coach. And after people work with him, they have the confidence, emotional intelligence, and communication skills they need to be the heroes of their own story. To find out more, go to markwentcoaching.com. That's M-A-R-C-W-E-N-D-T coaching.com. I'm El Capitano. And we're back. <laughs> now, talking about the virus that shall remain nameless, if you were... If you were shooting this now and having the use of the mansions, would you be able to keep everyone at the mansion under the new pro or would you have to actually go and send them off to an actual hotel? We'd send them off to an actual hotel. Um, so um, there's uh, one of my friends. He's, he's one of my best friends. His name is Bert Floyd. He was in Dawson's Creek um, uh, back in the day. He's in a new TV show. Um, that's 
uh, from CBS Studios right now, Swagger. They're filming that in Virginia. He's on a bit of a break right now, but he's still there. And he had to go in the bubble. Uh, a bubble is they, they put you in there for over a week in this hotel. Everybody has their own room. No one's going to talk to each other. They have to stay in their room. Uh, they can get food delivered or whatever. And then when they get on set, everybody's wearing masks. They're all distanced. There's uh, the COVID cops there, you know, um, and they have to come and say, stay back. You can't come here. You can't come there. There's your hand sanitizer. If anybody's that's a star has been in contact with someone who has COVID, the production might get shut down for a few days. It's really difficult to do, but they're making it happen, which means we can make it happen on a much smaller level. But we'd have to uh, shoot closer to their home you know what i mean we'd have to get them hotel rooms that have to be quarantined there's waivers to be signed and all sorts of stuff and there's testing that has to be done now as well so we'd have to get the the rapid testing and, and rapid test everybody every day and when it comes to things like this with fighting and the close contact i don't know if we could do it right now i don't know ncis oh, they get yeah. away with it yeah. i i think yeah i think what the what i've seen with some stuff is rehearsals, everyone's masked, they're distanced, running, you know, I guess I, I've seen somewhere they're pointing, okay, I'm going to be here, you know, I'm going to be here, you're going to be over there. And then when they actually film the scene, it's, okay, it, it, they're actually hitting marks and and, yeah. and doing the actual scene. Yeah. Whereas they're doing a social distance the, rehearsal of just a cue to cue. You know, that's a bigger, that bigger, work, yeah. bigger productions can probably afford like more testing and, and things like that. And sure, it might be a little easier for the bigger productions. It'll get a little easier for us too soon, too, especially with all the vaccines rolling out. We we want to do a number three real soon. The entire cast wants to. So we said, just let's see what happens. We think we can do it. Um, when it comes to us, though, when it comes to a lot of TV shows, we don't do stage fighting in our movies. So no one's punching at six inches away. They, they're less than an inch away from each other's faces. It's real martial arts. Um, and uh, we can't substitute that because if you get on set and they haven't been practicing for three months, they're just going to break someone's nose. <laughs> Which is not going to be fun. So that's the only problem yeah. I think we have. We have to get the testing right first. And it's hard, you know. Now, are, is a lot of this uh, SAG rules or who who's putting these rules in place? I mean, is there a specific so, organization or organizations? SAG is the gold standard, obviously, in, in making these rules. Um, and then a lot of the, the non-union projects just follow those same guidelines. It just makes it safer. Uh, if SAG knows how to cover their uh, their A uh, with it, then we a lot of us follow suit. Though the the independent filmmakers that are non-union, um, you know, if they don't, then they're then they're asking for their own problems. So most of us just just adopt the same guidelines and go with it. Um, I'm a SAG actor, but I'm not a SAG producer. So uh, often I'll produce something that's non-union film, but we just continuously go by the same guidelines. It just makes it a lot easier. Right. Well, sure. I, I work. You know, I work at a local theme park here in the Kissimmee area, Orlando area, uh, and there's quite a few to choose from. Um, if you've listened to other shows, you, you know which park I work at. But I know we have become a standard for other parks on how to open, even though we had a couple here in Orlando open before us. Um, it's still... It's what we okay. I work for Disney. I'll, I'll stop running around. But the, the what we the, <laughs> you can find it on other shows. Just say it. Um, it's a nice dance, though. I like what you did there. Try that transition. Um, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> well, that that requires this then. 
it will test your head and your mind and your brain. Um, <laughs> a lot of our guidelines for here we originally put in practice was Shanghai. Um, and of course, Shanghai, a little, you know, there, there's marked where the boxes that you stand in, not the lines you stand behind because over there you have to be told where to stand, not where not to stand. Um, whereas the opposite is here. They, you know, you're told don't stand the other, but the, the cleaning processes and everything else we put in place there and carried them over here to Florida and proved, okay, we've had it work in two parks, at least two parks. It can work. and is. But I think the standard from Shanghai and I think even Hong Kong is what made it easy for Universal and SeaWorld to open before us. We just delayed because, well, with Florida, we're like, yeah, we're going to let you guys be the guinea pigs first to see what really happens, what goes on. And if it works for you guys for a month, then we'll go ahead and reopen ourselves. So, but I know, I know we've been, I know Disney tends to be a standard. And so I can see the same thing. If SAG's standard is working, why wouldn't you as an independent artist follow those same standards? To keep yeah, I might as well put my them. dues to work and just use the same contracts and principles. Hey, hey yeah, really? If, if it makes it easy to, to say, here's the established safety guidelines. They've been working at it for a while, you know, and yeah. everybody makes fun of uh, Tom Cruise for that blow up he did on set last month. Uh, I, think, I think it's wrong. justified. Yeah, I don't think it's wrong at yeah. all. Tom did a great job. Um, those guys, I could have pictured it happening and what he, what happened and how many times he, they, they told him to not do whatever they were doing, whether it was not social right. distancing or taking a smoke break on set or I don't know, any, any number of things, not wearing their masks properly, not sanitizing things properly. Um, you know, those, I can see it happening, you know, and it's a serious thing right now. I mean, yeah, you might not get sick from it and you might not get sick from it, but you know what? I, I had uh, COVID uh, two months ago. I got COVID. It was miserable. I wouldn't wish that on anybody, you know, Uh, and I was very careful, you know, Um, that's just the thing is you don't know who's going to get it and, uh, and who's, and who's going to be immune. My wife uh, is immune. She doesn't have any problems with it. So, um, you know, you just don't know. So you just, you got to take those steps. So can we do number three or can we do this one now in in the, in the era of COVID? I would say I would, I would be real cautious, at least the way we do things. We wanted it to be, um, realistic and we've been accused uh, if you haven't read some of the reviews of speeding up the footage if you watch the footage none of that footage is sped up that is actually the speed they're punching each other they practice for a very long time so uh we're real proud of them for doing that and we couldn't have really accused you of that yeah uh, a lot of our interview uh, a lot of our reviewers have said oh looks like they sped up the footage i'm like no that's that's as fast as it was running uh i know post guys are good but they can't uh, even slow down things that easily Speed ramp thing. It didn't look. It didn't look to me like it was sped up. Thanks, it looked yeah. like normal. Those guys were swinging fast. Sorry, I, I, you know? I, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't mean to put that in my non-post. Oh wait, I haven't done a review, so that's why we got you on the show. Um, <laughs> now, well, I, I, it's funny you say it was so. It was so fast because I remember uh, Jet Li, Bruce Lee. You know, they were told when they were first came. You need to slow it down because it's not translating to the film. <laughs> you know, we shot everything at 30 frames a second, still at 29.96 yeah. uh, frames a second, just because 24, um, even at night when you're opening up that uh, that shutter, you're getting a motion blur that just doesn't look right when they're moving as quickly as they are. So um, we use the um, 
Black Magic Ursa Mini Pros, uh, uh, Tommy Perez out of Las Vegas. Uh, he brought his Ursa Mini Pros. Um, they're fantastic low light cameras. If you know how to use them properly, he's a whiz. Uh, so he came down and we shot everything at 30 and said, okay, well, that's as fast as we can shoot. And uh, we got a very limited motion blur that way. So we were happy, but they were moving fast. We don't, I think we could have done it at 24, you know? Uh, just wouldn't happen. Yeah. So absolutely. And of course, uh, there were some times too. The light was too low, and we had to reshoot uh, with more light and just bring down, bring it down a bit. Especially by the fire pits and things, where there was a little bit of motion blur, so we just had to redo it. That's all there is to it. Now, some, one fight scene sometimes it was ten takes. Right. You know. Now, is this something where you could have shot it with more light and then in post darkened it up? Could you have gone that we route? We did do that quite a few times, but uh, the night scenes were we didn't want to do night for day. We wanted to do actual. I don't. We don't want to have a bunch of the sky power window. We shot in Arizona where if you're shooting something in the middle of the day, you're always way too overexposed, even at a hundred. So you're going to have to go ahead and put a filter on an ND filter. So um, what we did was uh, we uh, the night scenes were fantastic, but we wanted to shoot them at night because uh, here it really doesn't work that way, that, that well. We could have shot it at dusk, but you would have seen it still. So the night scenes, they actually fought at night, and uh, we wanted to have the fire pits on and the whole nine yards. So we just had to play by the numbers and do it do it right the first time, you know? Okay. So you said, and, I, and I'm curious about it, you said the, the fight scenes were difficult to shoot. What What is the hardest part about, about shooting fight scenes? Is it the, the movement or? It, it's a lot. A fight's like a dance, right? So we, mm. we're working with this dance where things have to be in a certain way and choreographed a certain way. And you get to set and we are talking and if we are all in a room together, then they would start with a uh, the cardinal shots. We get a wide for an establishing shot. Then we get a medium. We get the close ups. Um, and here's the thing is the mediums are faces and fists, you know, in, 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 in the in and the chest on up. So you're seeing them fight a little bit, but you need those close up shots as well. And uh, it's hard when you're trying to focus on a, spe- a specific area where someone's face and their fist is going to meet. Um, and they, those actors have to meet there in the middle from their, from their ones to their twos, to their threes, to wherever they're dancing. And you have to meet, so you have to be able to anticipate where they are. And a lot of times you just miss the mark and you're like, Hey guys, I'm sorry. You've had to do this 11 times already. I know you're exhausted. Let's get some makeup on you. Wipe the sweat off. We got to do it one more time. Let's get a wardrobe change. <laughs> yeah. So at the end of the day, I mean, some of the, some of the scenes that you've, that, that we've watched were well over a day to shoot of just one fight scene because they wow. were just. These, these superstars in my book, they're superstars, just going at it all day. My favorite scene is a fight uh, in the, the multi-room fight between Jaden and Mark, where they're going oh, yeah. from one bedroom to the bathroom to yeah. the bedroom. Yes. Those guys were dying. Yeah. They, were, <laughs> they were so tired. It was the last <laughs> shoot day. They had, they had done every other stunt in the world, and they had to do that all day. It was horrible. Wow. I can imagine. <laughs> Couldn't do it myself. But uh, they did a great job. Yeah. It's really difficult yeah. to shoot. And, uh, you know, no matter how many cameras you have, you're going to have a problem, you know? Right. It's still, it's still operator error. We don't have robots doing it for us yet. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hold off on that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was that was the most difficult part. And, of course, the safety concern. I mean, we, we did have um, medical personnel on staff and – um, you know, we knew the routes to the emergency rooms and things if something happened, but there were, there were some very strong, big people swinging at each other at a, at a very rapid pace that we were nervous about. And kids, I mean, yes, he's 18 now, but we had kids doing it. They had to sign waivers. Parents were there. 
You know, the whole nine yards. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. They insisted, though. They had to do it. So good for them. Now, that's impressive. Yeah. Yeah, they're great. Now, when, when we get to um, the third film, do you have room for a couple podcasters to be a part of the story? <laughs> Absolutely. We have plenty of room. More, guys, more than welcome. I would shoot it in Florida, but I think we're going to be shooting it in Arizona again. Um, <laughs> but you guys are more than welcome, too. It's got plenty of time travel and fun stuff. You guys are more than welcome to come on down. But plenty of room for you if you don't mind quarantining with each other. <laughs> I do love some time travel. <laughs> it's warm, warmer than Massachusetts. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think yeah. Derek sold. Nice down here. I think it was like sixty-five. Uh, uh, sixty-five today. So, oh, uh, that's perfect. Seventy. I love that. Seventy-six, seventy-eight here today. That's beautiful. Yeah, I think we got up to twenty-seven today. I think was the high. That's nice. That's some of that. <laughs> Go to York Beach in that weather. Go to the water. You know? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I don't even know how cold it was up there. Oh god, I took my wife in uh, June uh, a long time ago uh, to propose to her at the the lighthouse, the little lighthouse. And uh, she's freezing. She has a winter jacket on in June. She's shivering, and um, she's just west. In June, <laughs> people popped out of the water to clap, and she's like, "You people are all insane." You're insane. <laughs> <laughs> it's summer. <laughs> Yeah, even though up here the water's still cold in summer, but you know it's that's right warmer, (laughs) warmer. Yeah, I was like forty. Yeah, you know the funny thing was is when we shot uh, the ride at Longbottom, it was the middle of February, and Arizona is very, very cold. It can get because there's no humidity, so the humidity is like thirty percent. And sometimes during the days it was like fifty-five degrees. Um, It's our it's the coldest month there, so. We were, we were also concerned that these guys were going to hit each other when they were cold, which is uh, it's a horrible feeling to get hit in the ear when you're cold. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they pulled through in the end. They all shivered their way through. <laughs> <laughs> At least it was sunny, though. That was nice. Sure. <laughs> what, what was probably one of the most scariest moments on set? Um, so as a producer, um, on these lower budget films, um, everything, sometimes I'm an assistant director. Sometimes I have to direct when the, when the director Clay Moffat, amazing guy there every single day. Sometimes he had to attend to other stuff. So I'm sitting there doing my thing and, uh, I'm not a light guy. I'm uh, about 227 pounds. I'm about as wide as I am tall. Um, and, uh, and, uh, one of the, the DP, Tommy Perez, we had to get up on a crane, um, in the middle of this warehouse uh, for one of the scenes when they meet Sir Longbottom. We both get up there, and halfway up, the thing is, doesn't move up or down. Guy says, well, there's a 500-pound weight limit. <laughs> so we were stuck there. We had to figure it out, and then we found out that one of us was too fat. That would have been me. I was too fat. Tipped the scales just a little bit. So a 150-pound man had to get on there and hold the camera with Tommy. But uh, I'd say that's probably the most frightening thing. Aside from Taylor getting popped in the eye, I think we did a pretty good job of keeping everybody safe. Okay. Biggest practical joker on set. Oh, God. That, that's actually Clay Moffat. Um, it's his movie. So, you know, presumably it's always half of his money and half of his time, you know, and people to answer to. And uh, he's always – we have so many outtakes of him just doing the silliest <laughs> – silliest garbage he just won't stop um he can't stop won't stop he, he has a uh he has a harry potter robe he wears on set the entire day he won't ever take it off um he is if you you like geeks he's the he's the biggest geek he's he's even geekier than i am absolutely um he's he's always pulling something 
scaring somebody, making a joke. And I'm like, you know, you're just costing yourself more money. Doesn't care. As long as everybody's having fun, I guess. Like, that's him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there you go. That's the important thing. Have fun. Yeah. No, not to not to make your money back, just to have some fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's you know, that's just uh, that's just you know, a bonus. He actually wanted to be here today, but he's actually on set, so he couldn't be here right now. He's uh, finishing up something else. So. Excuses. Uh-huh. Always an excuse. Everybody actually has the same excuse, so it's uh, uh, work. On. Work. I'm yeah. happy we're yeah, getting back but... to work, but I'm also sad we all can't sit around and shoot the. Uh, Chew the fat, you know, like we usually do. Yeah. He's doing his thing. Yeah, it is good to hear that a lot of them are doing other, you know, they have other projects still going. Yeah. Clay and I do a lot. We do about four movies a year. Uh, of course, The Rise of Show Longbottom took the cake. It was, I think it was a year and a half in post. It was a long, long, arduous process. Um, but between that, we shot a bunch of other films that are coming out this year. And, and we, we keep working. Um, but the last film that we shot was right before everything got shut down in February. Of last year, wow. so, uh, and that'll be coming out this year. I think on uh, March first or April first, we'll have something else coming out too. But that's not for kids, so kids don't watch it. <laughs> Parents, don't let your kids watch our next movie. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but the rise is so long, safe for kids. <laughs> Very cool. Actually, yeah, that, that's, that would be a pretty good uh, a movie for kids to watch. I think. You know, the original one was very kid-friendly, and then he wanted to make a darker one, um, sort of his Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom moment. So he made that happen. Yeah. Uh, the next one is supposed to be lighter again. So he, he definitely wanted to go down that route. He's a, he's a bit younger than I am, actually. He's a, How old are you, Clay? 30? Uh, he'll, maybe he'll hear this and yell at me. 31, maybe. Um, but he loved Indiana Jones. <laughs> and he, uh, he really wanted to make something very similar to that as far as like the feeling goes. Uh, it's, the, it's even colored a little bit darker, a little bit cooler colors. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I would say that, uh, you know, where's I shit? Sorry, muscles of curse. Um, I was <laughs> <hurt>. <laughs> Oops. Um, yeah, so anyway, Clay is awesome. Um, yeah, we have a lot of stuff coming out this year, though. So he couldn't be here. He, he was really sorry he couldn't be here. He loves doing these when he can. So um, big dummy Adam is here talking to you guys today. No, <laughs> no dummy about it. Hey, they're the, we're they're, it. they're the ones who are missing out. That's right. Yeah. That's what I told him. Um yeah, I, I, a couple of them are loose cannons, but we'll get them on. We'll get them on different things. Uh, um, there was one that uh, April, the comedian, she's like, I want to do it today, but she's uh, she's a loose cannon. We don't know what's going to happen with April uh, on the uh, air. So I'm like, let's keep you on magazines so we can redact anything that you say. That it's <laughs> movie. So can't do it. Um, but again, uh, you know, I try to get in contact with John Berger, but he's a very, Sir Longbottom, very busy guy. Um, but uh, we should have some other. Wow, we'll have a lot of people wanting to watch and listen. That's that's for sure. Have, have you thought about almost taking the the Robert Rodriguez approach with this? Now he did all the Spy Kids movies, and of course, the one character that appears in all that is is Uncle Machete, and then all of a sudden, Machete gets his own film that's more adult oriented. And even though that Machete is supposed to be the same Machete from Spy Kids. Yeah, you know, um, that sounds – so Clay likes to do this type of thing. And while I had to I had to pursue the martial arts aspect and help out – and by the way, while we were uh, while we were all rehearsing all of our scenes, uh, the martial arts aspect of it, I had to be there every single day. That's part of the producer's job to make sure that everything is going smoothly while the director is out having a fanciful life. 
and doing whatever he wants to do. Um, I had to be there every single day with these guys for hours at a time. Um, you know, and, but that was his path. This is his passion. But for me personally, uh, a whole other direction. I, if I'm, when I direct and write things, it's all strictly horror. It's, <laughs> it's the scariest stuff. Um, and the next one we do is actually going to be another horror movie. Um, so when he does this one, uh, we'll have to have some COVID restrictions released. Um, and then we can start the next one. But um, I think that for me and for him, I think that he loves directing my stuff. He loves co-producing my things, but he wants to keep all of his kid-friendly stuff way separate from the other stuff that I do. Um, just because, uh, he, you know, he wants kids to be able to watch that and, and be like, I like these act, including the actors. I like these actors. I want to see them in something else. We don't want them to see them in the stuff that I do. Um, he's, a, he's a family man. He, the guy's got like a million kids. I don't know. He's got like, he's got, he's got two twin boys. He's got a girl and a new uh, boy who uh, was just born this year. His name is Link because he's a nerd. Ah, nice. So he named his kid Link. Nice. He said it was after Lincoln, but it's, his name is Link. Call him Link. He's a nerd. He likes Nintendo. Um, so, he, he, was, uh, no. he was born with a sword in hand. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he loves Star Wars, but he likes the family friendly stuff. So uh, out of respect for him. We're not going to do any crossovers to anything more gritty, even though I really love Robert Rodriguez and what he did. I think he's he's one of the geniuses, our great geniuses of our time, to be quite honest with you. Some of the stuff that he can pull off is, is fantastic. And he he um, he makes no uh, makes no mistake about doing it like, he you know, that when he when he when he layers the cheese on that sandwich, that cheese is supposed to be there. You know, that extra slice of cheese in the movie. Um yeah, he's he's amazing, and I'll never be any Robert Rodriguez, and I definitely can't be with Clay's movies because <laughs> he won't let me. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to do the fight stuff, which is nice. So uh, instead of uh, if Clay had it his way, you could have everybody just have a slap fight or a pillow fight. <laughs> that could be fun. Yeah, yeah so a little slap fight, call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> and again, again, thanks to Tristan Coclanis uh, from Coclanis Martial Arts. That guy was a, is a maverick. Um, he is uh, he eats bullets and uh, he dookies ice cream. He's a he's a fantastic machine of a man. And he had to work every single day with these people, like eight nine hours a day. It's just crazy. And uh, he's a god. So we we appreciate him because if it wasn't for him, I think it'd look kind of silly. I can imagine. He was actually in the first one. He was uh, Doctor Phantom's henchman, okay. the big monster in the first one with the bald head. That's that's Tristan. I, huh. I'm gonna have to go back and watch the first one. He's a monster, horrible actor, but he's a fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's great. He's great. He was actually in another movie uh, that we did. It was a short that we practiced on. Uh, that's a horror short that I won't mention on this, but he played the killer. We got him to play the killer. He wore a mask. He was terrifying. So. Uh, huh. He's great. He's he's a, he's a sport man. He does anything you want him to do, within reason. So so you're saying he killed it at the role? Yeah, he killed it at the role. <laughs> but we hit, but he had to wear a mask, and Clay was insistent, even though it had nothing to do with Clay. He was insistent you would never see his face because he's a part of Pocket Man and Carver Boy. <laughs> it's like no, can't see his face, not in that one. But that's uh yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, he was great in that. And if it wasn't for him. None of it would have looked that great, so I'm happy that you uh, was there lending a hand the whole time. Um, yeah, no, no Robert, no Robert Rodriguez uh, crossover, I don't think. Okay. Derek, you got anything else? We've had Adam on for quite some time, and I think we're coming close to the end. Let's, you want to break Dawn? We could. I, 
I actually I do have one more question. Um, you had a couple of interesting uh, props in the movie, uh, and I was just wondering uh, how those came about. Oh, um, uh, so there were the the M locks, uh, the thing that um, yeah. yes. that Mark yeah. got stuck to the wall. That actually was hand fabricated by our props department out of foam. And then it was this was clay, wow. then foam, and then they put it together with plastics. Um, so the thing that um, um, we have it here somewhere actually um, in the studio, the thing that um, the cargo boy is holding is its own prop made the exact same way out of this molding foam, and then they made a plastic out of that. They made a cast, made a plastic, and then the other thing is made out of the same stuff too. Um, so and then special effects all day long. And uh, the and I think the shatter stick was actually a very specialized police baton that they used very similar materials on. So um, yeah, that one yeah, I was one. wondering about in particular. Yep, uh, that's exactly what it is. It was uh, made out of foam and just lots of plastic pieces and and some really great artists mm. that, uh, that helped us with those things. Um, that shatter stick has been broken. So many times you've had so many copies of it, um, and it's a weapon too. So you have to be careful. Someone swinging that thing, you'll break your leg. You got to be careful. So, um, oh yeah, a lot of the foam guns that you saw, um, the art department made. Um, then uh, you know, actually, I think everything was was almost everything was handcrafted, and then just special effects over it. Okay. Oh, nice. That's very cool. Very yeah, nice. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was fun. To, it was fun to to hold everything, and you know, there was actually one special effect that didn't make it into the movie, and it's at the end of the movie. It has Pyro Ed. The original guy that played Pyro Ed in the first one, his name is Damien Michael Persall. And he did a very brave thing, and he joined the Navy uh, at 36 years old. So he just joined the Navy. He's going to be a Navy guy now. But um, he was in the first one, and then he had some tragedy befall him in Georgia where he was. Um, and he couldn't make, make it out for the second one. So we had to recast him the last day. And the guy that we got... Um, Phoenix JD did a great job. Uh, unfortunately, we had a huge fire pack for him that was handcrafted in plastic and had flames all over, it, and he had a flame gun. And uh, he and it was the only one we could get in time. And he uh, inadvertently had to take it off, and the person that was supposed to grab the prop didn't grab it, and it fell on the ground and it smashed into several pieces. So, oh. end, so that part of the movie was put at the end of the movie because the prop was destroyed. We couldn't do a reshoot. So um, wow. all that stuff was put at the end of the movie, which was only another like maybe two minutes of movie. But uh, yeah, so we had to put that at the end and credits, the stuff that we could use. So but uh, that that probably took the longest of uh, the longest of a build. And uh, it never saw the light of day. It's gone. I think we have a oh. picture of it somewhere. That's a shame. It's okay. It happens, though. It's like that happened. We couldn't make two. One of those things you can't make two of. It's, it always happens on every set. There's just one set. They're like, if you break it, that's it. Be careful. So that was the one. Yeah. And it was heavy, too. It was very heavy. So that's it. That's, those are the props, I think. The, uh, the rainforest is on a soundstage, so we just did soundstage rainforest. Um, yeah. That was it. Okay. Well, nice. go, go catch the Rise of Sir Longbottom on Amazon, on Tubi. Where can they find you online? Um, you can look at, uh, find me on Instagram. I, uh, I, my life's an open book. Uh, I think it's the Adam Berardi um, on Instagram. Um, or you can just look up Adam Berardi and, on Facebook. You guys can just uh, say hello, uh, instant message me. Um, it's not my publicist handling it. I always deal with all that stuff myself, so I'll be happy to say hello. Um, oh, cool. Filmmakers, actors just want to connect and say hi. I'm 
Life's an open book. We can always do that. Um, you can also go to overnightpictures.com uh, or you can go to Overnight Pictures on Facebook. We always have new and exciting stuff going on, giveaways. Um, and, uh, yeah, absolutely. Watch it on Amazon if you can. I like the Amazon setup. Tubi has not picked us up officially yet, but definitely on Amazon. Um, and, uh, yeah, we appreciate the feedback. So when you go on, rate it. If you like it, give us a, give us a one star and say you hate it. If you love it, give us five. We just want to hear what you guys have to think. Um, and we really appreciate all of our fans that pushed us to make the second one. Awesome. And I love giveaways. So, nice. so go check out. Nice. Yeah, we have them all the time. You know, maybe we'll give away a shatter stick. Can we give away weapons? <laughs> Maybe. You I, make a phone call. Yeah, I'm gonna, Maybe. <laughs> I'm going to Overnight Productions right now on Facebook. All right. Uh, uh, I do also want to say. I think it's Overnight uh, Pictures. Sorry. Uh, sorry. When you, do watch, when you do watch the movie, make sure you watch it all the way through because there is an after credit scene. That's right. That's the third one that we want to make. So watch that. Um, that guy, um, he's a bad guy. Bad, bad boy. So. That'll be fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. My favorite scene, actually, in the entire movie. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I think it's great. Um, that's uh, Jason um, McCrite. And he is, uh, I did it, uh, I met him on set one time. We were doing a, one of those documentaries, or maybe it was the Travel Channel, the Discovery Channel or something. I don't know anymore. But we were doing the um, Secret Life of Christopher Columbus. And I was playing Columbus's confessor, you know, the, the priest that beat the, the hell out of right, him, right. you know. So I sat there just speaking in Italian and, and, and uh, threatening him, and he's dying on his deathbed. And his two blonde-haired, toe-haired son, toe sons were in there, you know, talking to him, and he was one of them. And I saw him act on set, and he had one line on set, one line. He was like, oh, Father, tell us, or something, whatever it was. And I was <laughs> like, that guy killed that line. He must have worked in that line for weeks. He murdered that line. So uh, I, I followed him after that for a very long time. And I'm like, you know what? I Someone needs to put him in a movie. It's fantastic. Very cool. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. It was, it was a definite blast. Yeah. Pleasure is all mine. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a new fan. I'll tell you that much. I've been following all your stuff. So pretty awesome. Oh, very cool. Well, oh, thank cool you so much. Thing. Well, thank you. Yeah. Florida, maybe we can uh, we can hang out. I'm not going to Mass anytime soon. It's freezing up there. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> I understand. Uh, next time I'm in Florida, though, definitely. Yeah. Maybe soon. Hopefully soon. I'm trying to work that out right now. The cool. production company that I'm knowing we're talking about. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also too, you know, maybe next project we we'll get everyone from that cast on. Yeah, absolutely. It would be nice. They, almost everybody wanted to come on, but when it comes to this time of, of, with uh, with the, the thing that shall now remain nameless that we've said you know five hundred times, um, when there's a job that comes up, even if it's a print job or a remote job they can do from home, that's what they're doing. So yeah. like that's exactly what's happening. They don't have any free schedule or free time right now, unfortunately. We are uh, we are at the mercy of scheduling. As a matter of fact, um, this almost, I'm doing a, a film that's getting picked up by Green Apple, which is down in your neck of the woods, Green Apple yeah. Entertainment. We have a movie coming out with them and we're actually, I'm acting in another movie that they are producing. And um, that is being shot, um, being shot right now. And they almost called me out for it today. So uh -huh. I'm glad they didn't, because I would have had to do this on set with people walking behind me all the time. That would be weird. <laughs> So it's okay. No one, no one would have seen it because it's audio only. It's so distracting, though. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, wait, who knows? Maybe we'll, can we talk to that person? 
<laughs> so what are you Man, doing? Who's that? What's it like working with Adam? Um, but it's horrible. Until next time, we're going to leave you asking. Want to know more? <laughs> So, um, the bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club? This has been a Weeby Geeks production. Nice, guys. Thank Let's you. get rocking! <laughs> you know how Peter Parker doesn't always know how to tell Mary Jane how he really feels? Or how Tony Stark seems to have everything but not the deep emotional connection his complex soul craves? Well, you don't have to be a superhero or a wealthy industrialist to experience the kind of rich relationships and life we all long for. I'm Mark Wen, and I'm a men's wisdom coach. After people work with me, they have the confidence, emotional intelligence, and communication skills they need to be the heroes of their own story. To find out more, go to markwentcoaching.com. M-A-R-C-W-E-N-D-T, coaching.com. Hey everyone, this is Carrie the Metal Geek, and I would like to invite you to hang out with myself and my fellow Metal Geeks as we have all kinds of discussions about heavy metal, films and TV shows, video games, theme parks, comic books, and whatever else is tickling our geeks. Please visit our website at MetalGeeksPodcast.com and follow us on all the social medias including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Metal Geeks. We are also proud members of ESO Network, so you can check everything out at esonetwork.com. Keep it metal, keep it geeky, stay safe, and see you on the next episode. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. This has been a Weeby Geeks production.